Welcome to Illuminate Universe's podcast, The Cast. Get it? The Cast? Okay, let's dive right in. My name is Leah, and I'm a manager and national lead at Illuminate Universe. In this episode of Illuminate Universe's podcast, Illuminate founder Alina Huang and Illuminate's director of business development, Rochelle Knightlet, interviewed Don Coulter, the president and CEO of Concentra Bank. They take a look at Don's journey exploring different professions to find his long-term passion and become the success story he is today. Listeners this week will truly enjoy hearing Don talk about his professional journey and how he navigated through the not-so-linear path that is life by working hard and being passionate. So before further ado, let's get into today's podcast. Hi, Don. Thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. The first question that we have for you is, we thought we would go back to the very beginning of your journey. When you were going into university, did you already know what you wanted to do? What did you study? And how did your post-secondary program decision relate to your goals? Well, Alina, thank you so much. And Rochelle, thanks so much. Great to speak with you today. And great question. So when I was in university, I didn't really know what I wanted to do specifically. I knew I wanted to get a university degree. I thought that was a, a good move in terms of my future potential. And you know, I had thought about different areas of business or I thought about teaching as well, but I didn't have any specific, the really big goals in terms of what I wanted to do specifically, just more generally. And I think part of it is because, um, you know, in my family, I didn't have a lot of family members who were doctors or lawyers or teachers or CEOs and things like that, business executives. So I just, I, I, I went to university. What did I study? Well, I started in engineering. I started in mechanical engineering. And I did that for a while and then found that, you know, really wasn't what I wanted to do. And so I switched to sciences. So I did sciences and math and economics and ended up graduating with a, with a degree, a Bachelor of Science in Math and Economics. And, um, you know, again, I, uh, I thought about teaching. So I actually ended up doing some teaching at a private high school for, uh, for about a year, just kind of part time and you know, on a temporary basis. And I, I really enjoyed that. And I, I was thinking about what I wanted to do next. And <clears throat> um, when I graduated, the economy wasn't very good. And so there weren't a lot of jobs for university graduates. And so I was doing odd jobs. I was, um, I was working uh, at a restaurant, like at a bar. I was teaching tennis. I was a, a tennis instructor. Uh, as I said, I was teaching as well. And so I did that for a while. And I was happy to be doing that after university because university you know you have lots of midterms exams it was nice to have a break from that and but after a while I, I realized that you know working in a bar um, teaching tennis wasn't where my long-term passion was and so I, I ended up going back to school I saw some of my friends who were doing more professional roles like a lot of them were you know going to law school or becoming chartered accountants what we now call CPAs and so I thought, you know, that might be an interesting route for me to take because it would uh, provide me with a foundation uh, in business, uh, help me get more of a professional job. And then there'd be lots of, lots, of, lots of options there as well. The truth is, when I was younger, like in high school, my, my real passions were athletics. So I played a lot of sports at an at a elite level. And I always wanted to pursue kind of sports as a, that's the one sort of thing I thought about was sports whether it's as a player, as a coach and things like that. But in university, I played on some varsity teams, but then I went on after, after university and 
as I mentioned, ended up going back to school again. So I can tell you a little bit more about that, but I'll, I'll maybe pause and push it back to you. You know, that sounds very interesting. It sounds like you were interested when, when you were younger, you were interested in a lot of different areas and you went out to explore and then eventually found your path. That's right. Absolutely. I guess you could say I was more of a generalist than a specialist. Like some, some people know when they're nine years old that they want to be, you know, doing this profession. And for me, it, that wasn't really what it was like. I, I had a passion for, for like I said, sports. <clears throat> I like to learn. I like school. I wasn't the best student, but I was okay. And so I, I, um, as I got closer to university and high school, I knew I needed good grades to get into university. So I buckled down and worked hard then. But yeah, that's that's kind of what I did. I always sort of, what I did is I kind of controlled. I tried to get good grades. I tried, when I got my first job, I tried to do, uh, you know, good job at the job. And I figured that if I did that, I'd be noticed. I'd get promotions. I'd be able to get advancement in my career. And that's kind of what happened. I think that everything that you just mentioned also ties really well into where we are going with our next question, because you said you often had to pivot based on your interests, the economy, uh, your age, and kind of the stress that you had been through and how you were feeling at that point in your life. So as much as we try to set clear plans for ourselves, we know that things don't always pan out as expected. I'm wondering what inspires you and keeps you going and keeps you motivated for the future? And how do you keep up your energy and the drive to work hard and constantly do more? Yeah, thanks, Rochelle. Great question. I think, first of all, on the premise to your question about, like, we set plans and we set goals, but it doesn't always work out as it's expected. I think that's so true. So as I mentioned, I before I sort of went back to school and became a, a chartered accountant, I worked at a tennis club teaching tennis. And a lot of the members there were successful, retired business people. They were professionals. They were entrepreneurs and things like that. And, and I learned a lot just listening to them. And one gentleman, I remember him even to this day, he told me that life is not a straight line. It's kind of a wiggly path that goes kind of this way, that way. And where you, <clears throat> where you think you're going to end up for a lot of us is, is kind of unknown. And, you know, you can just meet somebody tomorrow who could change your life. Or you could see some opportunity and make a different choice. And that could change your, your life as well. So for me, it's definitely been... You know, some of the things that have happened to me have taken me to different countries and uh, ended up me working with different organizations, meeting different people, going to school. I went back to school again and did a master's degree later, and I met some some great friends. And so things things uh, will happen that will take you off that linear path. What inspires me? What motivates me? I think it's um, excitement for learning, and it's a real desire to grow. So I'm someone who's, you know, really happiest when I'm dealing with creating things and building new things with new people that are kind of special, extraordinary things that haven't been done before or are creating great benefit to people, as opposed to someone who, you know, maybe has, um, you know, more of an interest in kind of maintaining the status quo, kind of a maintenance job. So for me, it's, uh, it's that passion to learn. It's the desire to build new things and to always I really like to learn. Like I have lots of books and I meet lots of people and, and I like to read biographies and things like that. So I'm inspired by, by building more in the future. In terms of energy, um, I think, you know, for me, 
I think part of it is being naturally endowed with energy. I'm kind of fortunate that way, but also mindset, I think. So if you're positive about things, if you have the right sort of glasses half full mentality to things and see the bright side of things, you naturally have more energy. In addition to that, physical fitness, um, mental well-being are really important. So I work out, do a lot of running, hiking, snowshoeing, skiing, um, weight, lifting weights, love to play soccer and things like that. So I think the physical part of it, keeping yourself well um, is important. And then, and then balancing sort of the, the, the mental well-being too, right? So we all have strategies for that. I think for me, it's, it's keeping things in balance, like not, never thinking that any one thing is going to be so important that if it doesn't happen, everything else will fail. I never feel that way. I always am comfortable doing the best I can and then being, being um, at ease with myself, with living with the consequences or the outcomes. I think that's important. I like to kick back and relax. I like to watch movies. Uh, I like to do fun things, um, you know, reading books, hanging out with friends. You don't do as much of that now, of course, in the pandemic. But I think it's it's about um, about keeping that that balance. I get inspired by other people, so I, I really look at what people have achieved, whoever it is, and I think you know that's amazing. Like maybe I could. I think that kind of fires me up, thinking if they could do that, maybe I can do something too. Right. So that that also gives me energy and passion. Um, yeah. So th those are some of the things that, that keep me inspired and motivated. I love that. It, it sounds like the uh, lifelong learning approach has really driven you down a path of adventure. And while, you know, considering you, you talk a lot about mental wellness, I actually have a follow up question. We know that you are an incredibly successful CFO and CEO at companies such as CIBC, Coast Capital Savings, and now Concentra Bank. Dawn, I'm wondering, how do you get work-life balance? Because you probably have a very demanding career. Yeah, I think it's about, um, it's about knowing in your heart, in your gut, uh, are you happy? Are things um, going right? Because I think we all, throughout the course of the week, throughout the course of the year, you'll have points where you're getting more stressed. You can you can you can get those physical sort of um, triggers. You know, for some people, it's clenching of the jaw. For other people, they they um, you know they get thirsty. They need to drink. They dehydrated. I think it's kind of being true to yourself. Like, are you happy? Are you feeling well? And um, when you're getting tired or when you're taking on too much, step back. You know, some people do meditation. I do a bit of that, stretching, uh, breathing exercises. So I think it's, first of all, having that bigger perspective I talked about before of no one thing is going to be so important that if it doesn't go well, it's going to be catastrophic. Nothing, you know, nothing. Um, so you have to you have to give yourself a break, be your own best friend, your own best supporter, and believe in yourself and believe that things are going to go well. But then it's also like life is not just about work. If all you do is work, you're not going to be happy. So it's finding those pursuits, those things that, you know, you really love to do. For me, it's sports, spending time with my sons. Uh, you know, this winter I've been snowshoeing a lot. I decided to pick up uh, some snowshoes, um, bought some. And so with that, it was motivation for me to go through the, you know, the, the tranquil forests and the snow falling down, you know, going up hills and your heart's, your your lungs are full of oxygen, your heart's pounding. It just feels really good. Um, 
yeah, I think, you know, I think, you, you know, having lots of interests and finding out what your passions are, I think trying new things. So, you know, there's so many things that you can do that maybe you haven't tried before. So do some research. Maybe it's kind of cooking, some cooking you haven't done. Maybe it's a language you, you want to learn. But I think it's, um, it's, it's about really, it comes back to what I started with. It's, you know, you know yourself if things are in balance or not, if you're happy or not, if you're getting too, too stressed. And so you have to, you have to um, kind of understand those signals. And then also having, having good friends, having someone you can talk to. We all need a best friend. We all need people who we can talk to. Even CEOs have best friends. Uh, it could be your family. It could be a friend. It could be you know, your parents or, or whatever. But having someone that you can talk to and, and share your kind of hopes and dreams, I think is really important. Uh, I think if you don't have that, then, then it's, it's going to be harder to have the, the balance in life. But, you know, I think, I think, again, like mindset's important. And I think in some ways, in some ways, you don't smile because you're happy you're happy because you smile. So if you, if you choose to be happy and joyful, I think you will be, it's kind of counter to what we think about sometimes Alina, but I think it's actually true in, in a way, but we don't always think that way. I completely agree. I think it's really important to have a perspective um, and balance that perspective in life. Uh, and, and I really, you know, I really liked what you talked about the the little the little things in life matter and when we actually broaden our perspectives and know that our life is more than just about work it actually brings to light the little pleasures in life and make our life even fuller and more meaningful i agree completely that's well said i love that and i also think in all of the things that you've mentioned i'm getting a strong sense that people need to be well rounded like you said, your interests came from many different areas. Even today, you're still interested in many different things. And that well-roundedness promotes better mental wellness and a whole bunch of different things. So I'm going to pivot just a little bit now and ask you about some leadership qualities. So I'm wondering, Dawn, in all fields, we know that strong leadership capabilities are becoming increasingly important. Do you think people are born leaders or is leadership something that can be learned and developed? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And one of the, so I've had a career where I've started at the bottom. <laughs> I've done all the, I've done, worked in mail rooms. I've done some, some very, very junior entry-level jobs. And I've worked my way up to leading organizations. And so I really understand the asset of leadership and how important it is. And for me, you know, I'm definitely not a born leader at all. So for me, it's something that I've, I think I've developed. I've developed it through um, necessity sometimes where I've had to stand up figuratively and take charge of things that weren't going well. I have developed it through mentors, through watching great bosses and other people who have tremendous courage, great communication skills. They can tell stories really well. I've uh, learned it through colleagues who are great at what they do. And so um, in my case, I'm, I'm not a born leader. I did have some fortunate things, although you know my parents were certainly not um, successful business people or professionals. Uh, they were very good people who taught me, I think, really good values and integrity. And um, I think that's gone a long way in terms of you know the, having the foundation of leadership. 
because I think leaders are people who you have to um, you have to believe in people uh, who are leaders or else they're not going to be effective leaders. And you only do that if they have credibility. Um, and I think that um, others, though, I have met some people in my life who seem to be naturally gifted in terms of leadership. It just seems to come to them easy. Um, you know, when I was in university, I was selected to some some business school competitions. And I remember one that I was in, the person who was selected as our CEO just seemed to have a lot of natural charisma and confidence and was able to think really quickly. And so I don't know if he was, he seemed to come very easy to him. It could have been something that he groomed and, and learned in a long time, but I have no doubt that certain people are born with different types of, they're endowed with different types of assets. But I would sort of say overall, whether you're kind of more, whether your starting point is one of more obvious leadership potential or attributes or someone who's the furthest thing from a leader, you're going to have to work at it because leadership is a constant uh, challenge. And um, I also think the best leaders, like I mentioned to you before, I like to read books and I've read a lot of leadership books. One of the, one of the ones I think is fantastic is a book called Good to Great by Jim Collins. And he talks about the notion of the great companies that, you know, this is kind of a dated book now, but he studied the best performing companies and he looked at the, the best leaders and he defined something called the level five leader. And the fifth leader would, had all the, the capabilities, the confidence of people, the ability to be just a, a single performer and a, a company leader. But the, the defining difference is that they were persistent and they had humility. So I think if, you, if you're persistent in life and you have humility, you can be a great leader too uh, if, you, if you work at it. So my follow-up question about leadership is we know that leaders today not only are persistent and are extremely humble, like you said, but they also care about how could the organization empower diversity and inclusion? So I'm wondering, Don, for your organization, how does your organization approach diversity and inclusion and what are your personal perspectives on it? Yeah, so it's certainly a very timely thing right now. It's talked a lot in society with some of the big events that have happened over the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, for me, I think it's just such a wonderful thing, diversity, uh, in that it gives you different perspectives on how things, um, you know, how people see things. Uh, we, we don't really know how other people perceive the world until we try to walk a mile in their shoes, so to speak. So I think diversity is something that allows um, your life to be more enriched personally. I think that it allows companies to get much broader perspectives and allows you to make to do better decision making, to have better, better perspectives. Inclusivity is actually a big part of leadership because the best leaders, if you've ever been on a sports team, the best captains were ones who made sure that everyone felt respected. And everyone felt like they had a, a role. Um, and the best captains made sure that people weren't um, weren't uh, feeling like they weren't included in part of part of what was happening. And I think when you look at uh, organizations, inclusivity is is so important to make sure that people feel like they can feel confident to show up to work as they are, their own best self, no matter what their sort of background orientation is. So at our organization, we really strive to have a diverse and inclusive culture. 
So, you know, when we um, are making decisions, when we're hiring people, when we look at, you know, the culture we want in the organization, we try to have a grassroots approach to getting people's perspectives on things. And, you know, that includes, you know, what's your perspective on if you were the customer of our company, how would you think about the way we're marketing this product? What are the unmet needs that, that you see in the marketplace? Um, you know, how we, how we recruit, that's important as well. I think if you, personally, my own view is if you, if you try to eliminate bias as much as you can, you'll end up hiring people based on their capabilities, their talent, their potential, and things like that. Um, but of course, you know, there's a, something talk, talked a lot about today. It's, un, it's unconscious bias. So we all have unconscious bias. And um, we've done unconscious bias training at my company. I've done it before in my life as well to try to eliminate that so that when you're thinking about perspectives on strategy and execution, how to run the business, you are thinking in a diverse way and getting all the best considerations in mind to make the best decision. Yes. As you said, this is a very timely topic and inclusivity and, and diversity are so important today. You started to touch on recruitment, and that's kind of where I'm going with the next question. Um, you also mentioned some of the most important qualities of a leader are charisma, confidence, persistence, and humility. When you recruit candidates to come into your organization, what are the attributes and characteristics you look for that really set an individual apart from others? Yeah, so this is a great question. So. I think that, you know, recruiting is so important. I actually, when people, you know, when I talk to people about what's important in business, is it the way you do marketing, the way you sell your product, is it your risk management, you know, what, what's the most important thing, whatever business you're in. And I think the most decision, important decision that uh, organizations have is recruiting. Because if you bring the right people into your organization, you know, the potential of your company is is uh has no bounds right so the, the right people will get so many things done so and, and they'll bring talents and capabilities so i look for people who um have studied our company they, they understand what we are about not just in a generic sort of way but they've actually taken time to think about us and, and understand what our situation is uh look for people who will you know pr project to me and to other people that they work well with other people. They're respectful. They listen well. Uh, again, diversity and inclusion is important for them because if you can't work with other people, it doesn't matter how smart you are, you're not going to be very effective. I look for people who have ambition for themselves, for the company, who don't just want the status quo. They, they think large. They think bold about what we can do. Um, I look for people who have gone through some hardship or some you know, challenges in their career that they've had to overcome because that's a blessing. If you've, if you've dealt with adversity and you've come out of it, you've actually developed capabilities of resilience, strength, um, that's going to allow you to face that next challenge, which is inevitable uh, in, a, in a real successful way. So those are things I look for. Obviously, integrity, um, education, experience is all important, but I, I kind of look more for potential. Um, you know, what, what can you do as opposed to what have you done? Certainly what you have done is a great indicator of what you will do in the future. But some people have a certain spark, a certain way of uh, just connecting with you. 
<clears throat> where you can really see the person has great potential. And so those are those are some of the things that I look for in, in recruiting. I love that answer. And, and I think uh, just within Illuminate, sometimes we work with a lot of different students. And two of the key things that we try to develop in our student leaders is the ability to understand others' needs and how to fulfill other people's needs while building a fulfilling relationship. So like Don, you said, um, one of the key traits that you look for is the ability to get along with other people in the company. And at the end of the day, if you wanna, so in my last job, I remember one of the partners told me, one of the things that he was looking for is uh, he would ask his team, would you be able to spend a whole weekend with, the, with this individual on a project? If you can't stand this person in the room or if you can't get along with, with this person, perhaps it's not about whether this person's not capable or not, but it's rather about a fit. And everyone has a different style of working. It's just a matter of finding the right fit and the right, right balance. I think that's really true. Like I think that different companies or schools or organizations like Illuminate and others They'll have different culture, different fit, and not every company is for every person. So I think if, if you know, find the one that you feel yourself with, one that you feel comfortable with. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's so true. That's wonderful advice for any high school students who are going into their first position or anybody who has also worked in the corporate world or in another industry and they're looking to make a shift. All of that is important information to consider. Yeah, no, no doubt for sure. Lovely. And Dawn, you know, I'd like to end off our session with one last question. If there's one piece of advice you can give students today, what would that be? Oh my gosh, that's a great question and the hardest one yet. <laughs> we, we like to leave the hardest one for the, for the last. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I, I like, I talked about learning and how that's important. Right. And I continue to learn even at, the stage of my career I'm at now, one of the things I learned probably about five years ago is is coaching. So I used to think that coaching, like in a company setting, was advice giving, where I would sort of take or somebody would take their years of experience and they go and just tell the person, okay, here's what you do in this situation. If this happens, you do A. If this happens, this other situation happens, you do B or C. So you're just kind of telling them what to do. But I learned that that's not coaching at all. Well, coaching is is leading the person in, in kind of a discovery of asking them questions so that they can figure out the solutions themselves because what worked for me won't work for them. So I don't really want to give advice to young people. I, I, I would say that, um, you know, what I would encourage them to do, though, is to, is to you know, have confidence and, you know, build resilience and you know, if things don't go well, don't give up. There's so many people, Steve Jobs, um, a lot of CEOs who I worked with and, and companies had lost their jobs and they're unemployed. They came back and they got bigger jobs. Um, you know, Jack Ma of Alibaba, he had a lot of setbacks, applied to be a police officer, didn't get it, applied to Harvard, didn't get in. So I, I think the one thing I would say is believe in yourself. Remember, it's a long game. And any little setbacks or things that seem to be big, they're not setbacks. They're just opportunities to learn. And the one thing that separates, you know, successful people, whatever that means, is the persistence to not give up. 
So I don't know if that, hopefully that's not advice, but that's the one thing I would say. And you have so many amazing opportunities as a young person in the world today. It's, there's challenges for sure. And, you know, there's, there's lots of change that's happening, but I don't think ever, I think, again, it's back to being positive, Alina. I don't think ever in the history of the world has been more opportunity when you see the growth and innovation and, and the things that are happening in the world. So embrace that, um, you know, be confident, learn, learn from your mistakes, and then, you know, have that persistence move forward and you can't help but be successful. I love that. That is such a piece, like a golden piece of advice. Thank you so much, Don, for coming onto our podcast. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. What a, what a great honor to speak with you today. Thanks for the opportunity.